0: If you revive yourself, I think it takes away the murder charges. Uh- <laughs>
1: <laughs> Welcome to Behind the Sins, presented by Sins.
0: Welcome to Behind the Sins, your weekly look at all things cinema Sins, TV Sins, and commercial Sins. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And this week, I'm joined by the co-founder of Sins and the voice of the original narrator, Jeremy Scott. Hello. Thank you for having me. Of course, we were talking earlier and I'm sure it'll be in the outtakes, but how it's kind of been a running gag how like it's been a, it's been a sense of pride for you not being on the show, but you don't really get that badge anymore. Well, it was more
1: to troll the other Aaron because the first few times I was asked, I just couldn't do it and then it became this thing where they began to joke on the show that Jeremy's never going to come on the show and I yeah, felt yeah. I had to uphold my end of the bargain, uh so I didn't. But now that we have a new host and a new format, you know, and and we're popping in uh, as sin people now and then uh, to weigh in on the week's content. Uh, I dropped my uh, my boycott of behind the sins and have decided to join the show.
0: That's all it took is just a new host. Um. Yeah, <laughs> yep. you, had, you, you
1: swap Aaron for a, a better Aaron, and I'm on board. Oh, I I don't know that I'd say that, but <laughs> well, I want him to hear it if he ever listens to it. <laughs>
0: Like uh, we were talking about earlier, you've uh, you've managed to also be the last person on the show. Yes. Uh, of this new run. Not not that the show is ending now, it's just like we're getting through every guest before we have new people on. Yeah, I'm happy to be on
1: finally and end my
0: protest. <laughs> nice. Well, I think we have a lot of we especially with this new like Saturday video. We have a lot of ground to cover. So I mm-hmm. think we should probably just dive into this inside scoop. Let's do it. What's it building in there a secret, I've got a Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain this is the true story so we'll start it off with Monday uh, Monday's TV Sins video House of the dragon Jeremy are you keeping up to date with house of the dragon at all I have not
1: um it was on uh, two days ago, because I had watched a movie on one of the HBO channels, and it was—I just left it there, and I, I think it was like episode eight or nine, one of the more recent ones. I haven't seen any of them, but I was shocked that they're using the same theme music that Game of Thrones uses. Like, people know the shows are connected. Just come up with new music. It's just ridiculous to me they're using the same exact song. That being said, I have not watched the show, so this video uh, was a trip for me because I, didn't even, <laughs> I am not even involved in the scripting or narrating on the TV since videos anymore, and so everything was a surprise for me.
0: It's also one of those things, too, where, like, it can't just say House of the Dragon. Like, above House of the Dragon, it says HBO Original, a Game of Thrones show. Like, <sighs> it's... <sighs> It's kind of like that whole like glass onion, the knives out mystery. It's like this is stupid. That's even worse, man. The (laughs) knives out was
1: specific to that family. Uh, They had a big circle wall of knives. Like,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Just call it glass onion. Everybody's gonna know. But yeah, marketing people.
0: Well, and what's really confusing about House of the Dragon is the pilot. Has this really beautiful slowed down version of the Game of Thrones theme, <laughs> and then they just go with the regular Game of Thrones theme for episodes two through nine. I don't the the finale airs tonight as we're recording. Oh, so wow. but either way, it was just like confusing because I was like, all right, like it shows it it's different. It shows like it's clearly not Game of Thrones, but it's still close. So I like I like that almost like when they do those like that um, that Guccino, like slowed down piano score when Jurassic World came out of the original. Yeah. Like that's a really good way to like connect. To your film while like paying homage, but also like being different. And I guess they don't have any interest in actually being creative on the show. So Yeah, I'd love uh, to know what happened there, but I'm sure it was some executive. Of course, we have this
1: whole uh, discovery buying Warner, Warner owning HBO Max. Like uh, I'm I'm. it's possible some guy in a suit who doesn't even care about content said, you got to use the same theme song. That'll get more eyeballs. That'll make more money. And that's what they went with. But as a creative decision, it's baffling to me.
0: For sure. I, I am liking the show for the record, but I've been talking about it. Yeah, last yeah I've heard good things. Week, so. Yeah, it's, it's good. I really liked last week's episode. I'm really excited for the finale. Although I just um, last week's episode was one of those where you ever have like a, a piece of thing that you're watching and you're 20 minutes in and you're like, this would be so much better if either it were in real time or if it was a simulated one take. Like, yes. I just I couldn't help but think that the entire time because uh. could have been so much better. But today and Jonathan writing on the script, by the way, Mm-hmm. So lots of good stuff in the video, of course. Uh, What are some of the ones that you want to point out right off the top?
1: I reached out to Danae for some insight on uh, this particular video. Uh, And so most of my notes are Danae's notes. Um, (laughs) And... I would like to read them verbatim, uh, at least this first (laughs) note. Uh, House of the Dragon can kiss my fucking ass. I hate it. I don't hate it as much as (laughs) Handmaid's Tale, but it is close. I was able to work through the boredom I suffer through while watching this waste of time show and found within me one of my favorite sin videos to write on. I added some Music Man, a game of Is It Bacon or Rain? And I made a meme. (sighs) And so I went and looked up the Music Man Sin specifically, and it's priceless. Any, I mean, anytime you can ape something like that River City song where, you know, because she's got right here in Free Cities trouble with a capital T and that rhymes with C and that stands for craps. <laughs> um, I just thought that was a really, really funny sin. Um, and she's right. It's, it's good insight that when... You extra hate the thing that you're writing sins for, it can often free you up creatively to do some wild and wacky new stuff. And the meme she made is Patty Considine's face, she sent it to me. And the text is that face when you've decided to derail your entire family's future and opt for a quick fuck rather than waiting for a strong ally that would prevent an internal war. So those were some of Danae's favorite sins. And of course, because of that, they stood out to me as well. But I thought it was even though, despite the fact that I have no idea what's going on uh, and I do genuinely miss some of the plot and character related sins. uh, I laughed a lot watching this video.
0: Sure. There's a whole bit. I think the bit you're talking about is towards the beginning. I don't know. It's been like five days since I've seen the videos, Uh, (laughs) but it's the, the, where they're they're reading the opening of this like crab people, which by the way you're not missing anything there. They're in one episode and then that's it, um, <laughs> which is a shame because as the sin's video points out, like they would they would be such incredible like consistent villains for the season, but nope. But they're like reading the opening credits like a uh, like a like a news reporter, and that sin goes on for like thirty seconds, and it just gets yeah. funnier and funnier and funnier. Yeah. I also like there's been a bunch of um, videos that have been doing this recently because it was in the Sweeney Todd video and in the House of the Dragon pilot where the, where it starts off like a normal word and then it transitions you in the middle of it. <laughs> um, so the last week's one were the aww from yeah. the Sweeney Todd one. And then in this one they had the I'll never wear the same clothes twice unless I just pity fucked someone and I don't want to leave the house until the oh you like it's... But it, it's great because you You can see, especially the way Aaron reads these, is you, he's really good at uh, accentuating that the narrator is piecing this together. Yes. Mid-sentence. And he's like, yes. oh, so he's got to change his tone very quick.
1: Yes, he is very good at that.
0: And then, <laughs> of course, this poor guy. Hallmark wasn't around at this time, so it was very hard to come up with a way to apologize for cutting open a person and ripping out a baby. <laughs> um, it's just... <laughs> Yeah, this show gives you a lot of opportunity,
1: at least the Game of Thrones shows uh, that I've seen, uh, give you a lot of opportunity to juxtapose the horrors that you're watching with, you know, everyday life stuff like a homework card. That's
0: really funny. Uh, What are some of the other stuff that you uh, pointed out?
1: Oh, no, I've already given you everything that I had to point out. And next time I'll save some for some back and forth.
0: It's all good. It also reminded me, it was kind of the inverse of, like, my favorite moment ever on BTS was when uh, when Jeremy read your Godzilla versus Kong review, verbatim. <laughs> Wait, when Danae read your uh, Yes. It was just great. So it's kind of like we get the inverse of that now. Yes, indeed. Which is great. Uh, the only other one I wrote down is, uh, oh, good news is that if Lena's not, she can just be groomed like a piece of property to become whatever old, old men want her to be. Am I great Game of thrones right? Yes, I am, and that's a sin. And it's... Uh, Game of Thrones did this too, but House of the Dragon does it more. And part of that is intentional, I think, because we're focusing only on the Targaryens, but there's also, like, it's it's even predating Game of Thrones, where there's just so much nasty in the show. Like, because in Game of Thrones, you had the whole, like, Jamie and Cersei stuff, and there, there was older men marrying younger women and all that, but it's like, that's, like, really prevalent here. It is constantly just like a eu moment and it's like because they're trying to marry the king who is patty constantine and he looks like as old as patty constantine is and they're trying to marry him off to like this eight-year-old and it's like this is like never right yeah even in context like (laughs) and the show is trying to point that out to some degree but he also then marries like a 16 year old and it's like that's Still not good.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. those. I mean, Game of Thrones is my point of reference, but they didn't shy away from any of that kind of gross stuff. And if House of the Dragon is doing even more of it, yeah, I, think I'll, I think I'll let that one marinate in the culture for a few months before I decide whether or not I want to take this trip because we all know how Game of Thrones ended up being disappointing for many people in the end. I don't That's know if true. I want to ride four years and then end up going,
0: What? What? <laughs> at least give House of the Dragon credit because, like I said, it feels like they're actively trying to s- steer away from those things. They're trying to be like, this is the way that we normally do it. And, they're, and at least they're trying to say something about it. But Game of Thrones was just like, it happened. Get over it. So. <laughs> yes, they were. Uh, the only thing I had here was just a comment. Uh, uh, Phoenix NYC on, on YouTube said, well, now that you know the word conflagration, allow me to introduce to you my, my favorite ex-boyfriend's word, conflama, half con- conflagration, half drama, kind of like Game of yeah. Thrones itself.
1: Well, <laughs> that's funny. I worked with a guy who made up words, but he didn't know he was making them up. He thought they were real <laughs> words. His favorite word to say was fratibed. Uh, and I think it was some version of frustrated and perturbed, but it, w- it came out huh. I'm
0: So fratibed
1: right now. Every time he would say it, <laughs> I would have to run <laughs> to another part of the building so that he wouldn't see me laughing at him. It was awesome.
0: That's amazing. I had a really bad uh, run-in with that one time. I was... Um I was teaching at my last job and, um, I was trying to make the expression of like, it takes more than one person to influence something. Mm. Um, and so the expression is commonly known as it takes a village to raise a child. Mm -hmm. But what I said was it takes a village to raise an idiot. And (laughs) it was a bad day. Um, so it's awesome. Anyway, on to Tuesday's video then, um, The Lost City. You and Denae wrote on this one.
1: Yeah. Um, This,
0: correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't seen The Lost City. I really have no desire to see this movie. Is this a Jeremy movie? Or is this like Mm. a legitimately like either good or bad movie?
1: I don't think it's very good. I think you might enjoy it if you had a few drinks. There are a few funny moments, but it's highly unoriginal. Um, The best thing about the movie is how much fun Daniel Radcliffe's having, but he's not in enough of the movie to make it worth it. Hmm. So uh, I would not recommend it. I would just watch Romancing the Stone again and smile knowing that you didn't watch uh, an inferior knockoff.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the the trailers came out and lots of people were like, oh, this actually looks kind of good. And the reviews, I think, are generally favorable for it. But it's a movie I have no interest in seeing. And definitely after the Sins video. I try not to let them influence how I feel about a movie. But if I'm already like, yeah, I don't think that's going to be for me. And then the videos come out and it's like you can tell because there's two writers. It's hard to tell who it is that isn't liking or is liking. But you can always tell whether they like or dislike what they're sending. Right. Uh, right. So yeah, it kind of comes through. I get the feeling that neither you nor Danae liked it.
1: But uh, I don't think so. I didn't get the sense that she did, but we don't, I don't usually, unless something's truly bad, we don't usually like discuss on Slack, boy, this movie is balls or anything like that. But you can kind of tell from the sins, like you said. And yeah, I like writing with Danae because for now she's the only female perspective we have. And Mm -hmm. almost every time I write with her, she finds things in the movie that I just from my stupid patriarchal point of view I wouldn't I would never notice uh so it's always enlightening to sin with her
0: sure and this was a fun video too i'm i'm willing to bet that this video is more entertaining than the movie itself so Oh, I hope so. Well, I hope it's at least entertaining. <laughs> As a precursor to something that we'll talk more about later, the uh, the whole scene about uh, about how she's cooking in the kitchen, and you mentioned like she's cooking for six people, and they're like there's strainers over here, and she's got <laughs> three bell peppers. Like it's it's clearly not one dish unless she's meal prepping for an entire week. Right. But the scene doesn't really give context for that. It's one of those that was is just frustrating. Uh, movies don't get cooking right. Except for yeah,
1: Chef, Chef does they they rarely do. They what's because this that's because you have a set designer decorating the set and, and not in most cases a chef. Now, if you watch a movie like Chef uh, from John Favreau, he spent time with Roy Choi, uh, a, a celebrity chef, and uh, trained extensively to get most of that movie right in terms of the knife work and how the food was presented. Uh, but most movies, if the food is not important they do this kind of crap. Like on an episode of friends, they'll have a bowl on the table with like 15, like star fruit in it. And I'm like, who even buys one star fruit, let alone a dozen of them. This is just, somebody said, put some fruit in a bowl. Uh, she's a chef, whatever. And then this movie does that a couple different times with food.
0: Well, or, and you have things like Rick and Morty where people put fruit close to your feet. Um, <laughs> still got to find a way to put this in the bowl of fruit. Even when it's not in the right video, but anyway. And of the one that really slayed me was at the end, as Chekhov said, you can't show the volcano in the first act without showing it firing in the third or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Just kind of yeah, like that, that, that cool. takes a village to raise an idiot. Anytime you can like take a phrase that we all know and then manage to make it. Oh, like it, they didn't just say you showed the volcano. So it has to erupt now. You know, it's a clever way to say it. that stuff just slays me.
1: Yep. But, yep. <sighs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, I love the Denzelberg sin because <laughs> that guy, I, it's rare that this happens to me, but that guy just instantly said that's Denzel and Mark Wahlberg this mm-hmm. is a, in, meshed into one face. And I blame this websites and apps that play games doing that. Like which two celebrities are these mashed together? uh But you know, once you see it, it's hard to unsee. And I was hoping that would become a favorite sin for the viewers and just glancing briefly at the comments, which I never do when I'm not prepping for BTS, uh, it looked like that was a very popular <laughs> scene. Uh, so I was particularly proud of that one. I liked uh, the one about the final countdown um, mm-hmm. song being too expensive. They shouldn't be able to afford it just kind of as a throwback to my youth. I was, I was a child when that song was popular, but I freaking love that song. Mm-hmm. I also love... The, the one where Brad Pitt is running towards the compound and the main guard is looking in at the compound instead of out at danger that might come. There's just, when you, when you put on the sin hat to watch a movie, you start <laughs> questioning everything because, you know, it's obvious in that shot, they wanted the guard and they wanted his face and they wanted him being clueless. So they, just had him facing in like guards don't face in, they face out, but it didn't make sense for the shot. And that's just, that's probably a very Jeremy like sin.
0: And the sin also is just like the reason why he can get away with being such a good assassin is because everybody else is stupid. Like,
1: yes, exactly. That's what, that's what tends to happen when you make somebody, you know, unkillable, at least for the first 20 minutes, they're on screen because then, then they become mega killable because we're trying to have a shock joke. I'm not right. sure what's going on with that.
0: I don't know but I do really like this phase of Brad Pitt's career right now where it's just he's finally got his Oscar and so he's just kind of having fun you know like like Bullet Train is a lot of fun you know he's just popping up for cameos in these movies of just ridiculous things and I haven't seen this movie but it seems to count you know like the Deadpool 2 cameo like he's just he's got his Oscar let him have his fun yeah he seems to be uh, in a fun part of his career for sure also about the Denzelberg thing it's it's great cuz a lot of times the sin is simply like discount somebody like I think like Great. to me, the most prominent example is like that guy in Prometheus. I don't even know his name, but like he looks like discount Tom Hardy. Um, yeah, yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah, he does. This, this guy is is not discount Denzel or discount. He's kind of both. And as soon as you say, like, I'm, I'm immediately imagining him in that scene of The Departed, where he's like, maybe, maybe <laughs> not, maybe fuck yourself. And it's like, <laughs> it works.
1: Yeah, yeah, it kind of does. He just, uh, he just, it, again, it's rare that somebody is that. Uncanny uh, look alike. It's almost like that Denzel look alike who's in Game Night. Have you seen Game Night? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah, so it's almost like that. He looks so much like Denzel and Mark Wahlberg mashed together. It's crazy. Denzelberg
0: mo- looks more like Denzel's son than Denzel's actual son. That's true. That's true. There's there's
1: not as much resemblance between um,
0: what is his name? John David Washington. John
1: David, but he's great too.
0: Yeah. With the Brad Pitt stuff, just uh, if you're ever confused about what actors are in a particular scene, you can eliminate 99% of them by simply asking, is this person eating while speaking? If the answer is yes, it's Brad Pitt.
1: Yeah, so. in this movie, they even do it audio. Like, right, he's I, on the phone. At this point, he has to be in on the joke at this point because he's he's not even on screen. He's just a voice on a phone and you hear, Krush! it sounds like an apple to me, if I'm being honest. Um, sure, you know, I think he's just having fun with it, but we're not going to stop pointing it out every time it happens. And uh, that was actually Danae that wrote that. So <laughs> I was giggling when I saw that in the script. For sure. I really can't not talk about the, the biggest sin in this movie. And I I don't know if we hammered it enough in the sins video is that tiny cave passageway that she has to shimmy through before she gets to the treasure area. And she barely makes it through there and she has to like suck in her breath. And then they never explain how all the rest of those big dudes with beer guts get through this <laughs> impossible crevice. And it's just really astounding to me that you, what you want to have as a humorous moment with, you know, her wearing this purple sequin thing sucking in her gut to get through the whatever. She shouldn't have to suck in anything. She looks great in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> They even keep calling her grandma, and I guess, you know, she's in on the joke. I think she was one of the producers, but it was it's weird to me that she was getting the old person jokes when she looks... I think she's in her 50s now, but she looks 40 years old in this movie. She yeah, she great. doesn't
0: look anywhere near as her actual
1: age. But then, you know, you just abandon that set piece... Just because you want instantly the, the other four guys in the scene to be on the other side of the wall so you can get on with the action. That thing drove me up the wall.
0: So, and there's there's clever ways to do that too, or there's interesting things to do, or like it's not like she may, it's not like she loosened up the rocks like going through, right? Um, right? She just barely squeezes through. Like I think uh, there's a really fun joke in the unbearable way to massive talent where. One of them is trying to get over a wall.
1: Oh, I love this movie.
0: And they like send Nick Cage over, and then Pedro Pascal just walks around because they're on an acid trip. And <laughs> it's it's just the really a really fun joke that. Yeah, that movie's awesome
1: though. Don't sleep on it, people.
0: The other sin I wrote down was just the the kitchens are not corridors; they're sacred spaces guarded by knife fielding food warriors. Get the fuck out of there and go around like a normal person. And it's like not only that, but like why is nobody stopping them? Like yeah, like as somebody who's worked in a kitchen before and currently works in food service like we, our our restroom sign is not very clear but the restrooms are very close to the entrance to the kitchen and people frequently like wander back and it's like you can hear the dishes and the grills the restroom for you is absolutely not back there like yeah. and if and i will stop you by force from coming back there unless you have a reason to be back here
1: yeah, there's no uh, – it's, it's a, a common movie trope too, when especially when somebody's in a hotel walking through somewhere. They stop in the kitchen and say something, maybe even interact with a piece of food or something. But in a real kitchen, somebody would almost instantly be going, who the hell are you? What are you doing right. back here? And it's even more dumb in this movie that they're in the kitchen, which you would think is probably on the first floor in the basement. This is a hotel. And they were all the way up, several floors up in a suite. And the PR lady said, "Your interviews in the next suite over." <laughs> and they end up in the fucking basement in the <laughs> kitchen. Like the, the movie does not give any shits about that stuff. It just wants to hit the beats it already plotted out, and doesn't care if you want to analyze how they get from one beat to the next. But that's what sure. I do. So
0: I had a couple of things to ask for the sin writers on this. All right, one. let's let's hear it. Well, first of all. I I could tell you're, you're a published author and Mm. this movie seemed to frustrate the hell out of you in terms of at least the publishing process. Uh, I didn't write that one down, but I figured you had to know it was coming. (laughs) Um,
1: I mean, I've even seen some tweets about this as people in the publishing industry. uh, Thank you for these sins because the, the movie insinuates that they're doing this PR thing for her book and they've sunk all of their money into this one book's PR campaign. And she's not, done with it at the start of the movie. And within a scene or two, she's at a book signing. Like, it just does not give any shits about how the process goes. You don't schedule a book signing and a tour while the book is being written. And a book, once the manuscript is done... It's usually a year or more from then until it's published. It's just not how any of it works. And again, the movie doesn't care. The movie didn't do any research. The movie just wants to make jokes by putting her in a, a a tight dress and having her climb on top of an impossibly tall stool and make some physical comedy out of it. Who cares about accuracy? Well, I do.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things. Who cares about accuracy until somebody does? Yeah, and, and it's one of those things too, where like I think I, I have no knowledge of the publishing world, but even I'm not stupid enough to think that they would schedule a book tour without like maybe it's one thing if the first draft is is already in and then it's like all right make these notes and send it back maybe then fine all right well take it two months to turn it around and you know we'll get you on oprah in six months or whatever i don't know but like like i at least know like you don't put things concretely because if i know one thing about the book industry uh, and i believe me, i don't uh but it would be that deadlines are never met and well, i think that's because you tweet about that frequently you're like yeah, right. deadlines are great to have goals for, but like 99 percent of deadlines are never met. Right. Um, there's extensions and all that, so it's like, why would you schedule concrete stuff? You know, take a look at George R. R. Martin. Like, it, they didn't <laughs> schedule a Winds of Winter press tour five years ago, and they would Thank be stupid God. too. Yeah, <laughs> there's a really great joke in Logan Lucky where they oh have the, man <laughs> the, the prison riot and they're like, oh, we demand man. the Winds of Winter. <laughs> I'm looking and it <laughs> says it's not out yet. <laughs> That's fucking bullshit. Well, George
1: R.R. Martin was supposed to turn and wins a winner to his publisher last year. I know <laughs> that. I'm looking at Wikipedia, but it also says that he hasn't finished it yet. Oh, man, it's a hilarious scene where they debate the minutiae of this book in the middle of a prison riot. I that
0: movie. Yeah, also, um, all right, so I, I had I know that there's going to be a BTS fan out here that's going to immediately know what I'm talking about, but I know that The Sin says, fuck you, prep cook asshole sticking his nose into other people's business. You knew what he meant. I bet if she had said there's no gravity in space, you would have interjected, um, actually, the most celestial bodies in space have their own gravity, or some kind of nerd-at-all bullshit. Uh, this is a callback, I think, to the Avengers video?
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yes, I got is. it
0: right. I didn't want to look it up, because it's a lot funnier if I can just be completely wrong there's about There's
1: a something. moment in the end of the Avengers where Tony has gone through the portal. So he's no longer hovering above earth. He's like solar systems away, hundreds of light years. Who the hell knows how far away the Chitauri live or whoever that was, but he starts to fall back toward the portal which eventually falls through and falls back to earth and there should not be any kind of gravitational reason for him to fall in space back toward a portal that he had <laughs> that he had a momentum coming out of in space but this was also one of our – I think it was like our second video. So we were keeping things extremely short and sweet and to the point. Mm-hmm. So the, the sin was there's no gravity in space, but – or it might have been just been there's no gravity in space. Of course, there is gravity in space because – yes. And we were, we were taken to task by everyone in the comments who decided to just willfully – ignore what our clear intent was with the sin and take us literally because this was also before we realized that people were going to take us literally very often. (laughs) Um, so yeah, that's a callback to that and, uh, try and make fun of myself about that sin. Anytime I get a chance. So,
0: well, you know, it's a shame that there, you know, like won't ever be a recent or anything. So. Right. Darn. Darn shame. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nope, whiskey doesn't work that way. I've tried, and don't tell me. I have you have to get the proof just right and the storage ash just hot enough. Uh stogie ash just hot enough. Uh I've tried, therefore it doesn't work and don't ask, but also like it's kind of my job to ask. So like story time. I did not
1: write this sin, and I was not given any official explanation <laughs> for how this knowledge was acquired, but I have seen several people in the comments supporting the science of this sin. Saying that it is not possible for whiskey to, in this instance in the movie, catch on fire like that, and and I was confident in the way that it was written that she had either done a research or that she had tried to light whiskey on fire with a cigar uh, at some point in her life and failed. So, uh, but I, I can't c- tell you concretely.
0: I think this uh, this trivia actually works better not having an actual answer. Um, <laughs> you know, just just I didn't write it, which means Danae had to write it, and I don't know the story. So somehow Danae alcohol and fire question mark. Question mark. Are there any other fun leech facts for us? Again, these, the leech facts
1: were Danae's. Uh, I loved them. They were fun. I hope to never know any leech facts (laughs) off the top of my head. (laughs) It's not a subject that I want taking up space in my brain. Uh, I would gladly, um, put more movie quotes in there in place of leech facts. Um, I do have some sinkhole stories for you.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask, like, uh, how long has a sinkhole been a fear? And why am I all of a sudden now afraid of sinkholes? People don't get it. People
1: put it out of their mind. Like, I am trying to ring the bell. So I have, this is like the third time in the last year I've written a sin about sinkholes. As a young boy, uh, we lived in Indiana in a small town. My dad was a preacher. So we lived in a house that the church owned called a parsonage. And in the backyard, this was when I'm five and a half years old to about 10 or 11. In the backyard, we had a manhole-sized sinkhole that we were basically just told, stay away from that. And (laughs) it sunk down into the ground about a foot or so. So it just looked like somebody had taken a cookie cutter or a big round thing and mashed a little circle section of the earth further down into the earth. But then there was a point years later where suddenly it had gone way down further. And then we moved and I was like, phew. And then sometime in high school, I read about a sinkhole in South America somewhere that was essentially the size of a near city block that just dropped out from under buildings and cars and offices that were on top of it and went several stories down into the earth. And for that reason, that became... A big bugaboo for me. I have, if I have nightmares, oftentimes sinkholes are in them. I don't dream, I don't, I'm not worried about Dracula. I'm not <laughs> even that worried about snakes. I'm worried about sinkholes because you will not see it coming. It will just gone out from under you. And you mm. can't, there's no defense against that. And uh people need to be aware that every step you take is the potential last step you take. Even right now, sitting here, a sinkhole could open up underneath my office and suck me down into the earth. And that would be. It- make for probably the most listened to podcast of BTS history. Um, (laughs) I wouldn't publish it if
0: you died (laughs) from a sinkhole in the middle of recording.
1: Oh man. Uh, Yeah. I just think they're terrifying. So I'm trying to spread the word.
0: Sure. Yeah,
1: man. That's
0: all I had for the video. Do you have anything else? I do not
1: No, I gave you everything I had.
0: Perfect. Well, that'll take us to Wednesday's video. This is uh, Rick and Morty continuing the new season's run. Uh, Bethick uh, twisting Yeah, that's the right way to pronounce it. It's always, I never tried to pronounce these before. So, (laughs) Uh, Daniel is writing on this uh, video. How do you feel about Rick and Morty? Are you? Did you ever get on the train?
1: So Rick and Morty is in a category that I like to call, I haven't got there yet, but I'm going to for sure because enough people have told me I love it. So I did not watch this episode. I only skimmed through the Sins video because I don't really want to spoil, really. I understand. That's fair, yeah episode to episode from what I understand, Rick and Morty doesn't have super tons of continuity, but uh, I do want to watch and experience the show uh, fresh. And so I got some notes from Danae though. So when it comes time for sharing about uh, notes and favorite sins and stuff, I've got some content for you, but I don't, I have no Rick and Morty familiarity.
0: There's a video in the beginning about how Beth's tongue goes backwards and it goes on for quite some time. It's it's so unnerving because you get a freeze frame of the tongue like, Like, like you would think like the way that you have to form your tongue for an L sound, but like it's more backwards than that. It's so unnerving. I'm sure Danae had something to say about that, right?
1: Oh, yes. My favorite sins are the sin about the animation of the backward tongue because of how Aaron performs it. Uh, That's all she says about that sin, though. But also she likes the sin where they ask the show to prove
0: they're mm-hmm. watching
1: by moving that stupid bowl of fruit that has become the weird thing we sin all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for those who are curious, yes, the sin about forest and dessert are my actual true thoughts based on my actual <laughs> real life.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those cool things that... I feel like Rick and Morty is the only opportunity that sins could actually influence Hollywood in a direct way, right? Like, like there's got to be things that people are thinking about now. Um, but like, you, it is finally like, it seems like Hollywood has, or at least TV has responded. Rick and Morty seems to have an answer to Seven of every time, mm. uh, except mm. for a bowl of fruit. Except for the bowl of fruit. And so now it's like, prove it, just prove it. I think it's- <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to see where this goes, especially because they're on hiatus right now and yeah. they're coming out with the rest of their season in like six weeks. So like, they have time. Yeah. So... Um, Yeah, they could do it and on that comment um amanda vierna on youtube um comments and says and and now the writers will have a conundrum of moving the bowl or not i suspect they'll find a third and creative solution rather than to give into the request (laughs) (laughs) and kyle burns also on youtube just said like during a smith family argument beth is gonna say like nothing ever changes around here every day there's just a new gadget and a new thing trying to kill us and that's it and rick's gonna be like i don't know that bowl of fruit used to be on the bottom shelf and I think that would be a perfect way to, <laughs> to write it in, so give Kyle a writing credit <laughs> and, and yeah, put that it in. Is funny. that is um, funny. Making us believe Jerry could uh, complete a puzzle in a few hours, or even days or weeks. <laughs> it's just great.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Danae also wrote, Rick and Maury is a fucked up show that I enjoy, because it makes me think about what it would be like to fuck myself. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. No. <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess. Anyway, in this episode, we are forced to consider that Beth believes Thanksgiving could be normal, and also that the writers
0: of the show are fucking with our ability to spin this show. Oh, it's it's really nice. These are some of my, like favorite like. There's a reason that you guys have done Rick and Morty so much, because um, like everybody loves it. Um, and as as they point out in BTS, like fans of the show love it. People that don't like the show love it. It's just always fun. But that's all I had written down. I mean, I knew it would mostly be the bowl of fruit thing. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and then that takes us to Thursday's video, Candyman. This is written by Jonathan and Daniel. Um have you seen this one? Uh I did watch this
1: video, but I haven't seen this movie. So again, I was a little lost at times. I have seen the original Candyman movie. Okay. Um and, you know, this is this is one of those videos where and I made a couple of notes here, I think, about this kind of thing where I don't really realize when narrating how a sin's going to play if I haven't seen the movie, and especially if I haven't been a part of the script. Sometimes I'll even get notes asking me to read something a little differently because it didn't quite match the tone of the joke they were going for. But it's really satisfying to have read something four weeks ago and then watched a visual payoff of the movie lead in and then the sin. And then I get, Oh, that's why that's so funny. And so I got a lot of that. I watched this video this morning. Um, so I had a really good time with it. So
0: I haven't seen this movie yet. Although I have, uh, I did buy the original candy man. I haven't seen it just cause I, I that movie has got, gotten a resurgence recently. I think it's always been beloved by horror fans, but I think people are realizing like, oh, no, this is much deeper than, you know, a slasher film or anything like that. Right. So I'm excited to experience that. And so I got excited for this movie because that trailer was also incredible for this movie where they had like yeah, the shadow was. puppets. I was like, yep. I never wound up seeing this movie because a lot of the reviews wound up being middling. And after watching the Simons video, I get it. Um, <laughs> it's not the movie that people were expecting or wanting or it feels, it feels like this is again, having not seen the movie, having only seen the Simons, it feels like this is a prequel mm. like to a movie or it feels mm. like this is a start of a movie or, or a start of like, Kind of, this feels like Halloween 2018. Uh, mm. You know, there's like you know, there's intended to be a follow up here.
1: Yeah, so. yeah. No, I get that. I get that. Um, um, so, what are some of the stuff you had from the video? The Candyman. I think this is in your notes too. But the song Candyman mm-hmm. they wrote. A couple of different sins where somebody says the name Candyman, and then you just hear me go, "Who can take the rainbow?" and it cuts off and moves <laughs> on. And it's hilarious. And again, not having seen the movie, I don't even when I'm narrating, I don't even necessarily read what's being said in the movie clip before the sin. I just read the sin sometimes, and so I'm like, oh, "Okay, I can I can sing this song, Candyman. It's probably funny." But then the the visual payoff of all of it mm-hmm. ended up being. A lot better than i expected i thought the joke about misspelling self-immolation as self-emulation was not only a good catch in terms of the eye but it was really well written i think it was it's, uh, let's see, here it is unless helen was trying to emulate someone while dying in a fire i'm pretty sure this should say self-immolation <laughs> um <clears throat> and again you're not asking the people who write that copy to be brilliant but uh that is right. a hilarious accidental word use uh, what kind of, what did you have that you kind of like?
0: Oh, well, first I want to ask you, um, I've been told multiple mm. times mm. that uh, the fans have been told multiple times that you really like singing for Sins. I need to hear it from the horse's mouth.
1: It's true. Thanks. I highly encourage people to write songs or Sins for me where I sing and even impressions because one thing that I found doing these is that an impression is more about the cadence of, of the speech than it is nailing the tone of the person's voice. And so Mm. if you want to do a Keanu and you want to be like, I don't care about your crime. If you get the cadence, the timing of those words, your your Keanu voice doesn't have to be super close for people to go. That was, that was funny. Um, And you know, I'm not even presenting myself as an impressionist where people are going to be like, damn, that was dead on. It just has to be close enough to make people laugh or smile uh so yes mm. it's from the horse's mouth yes i love when they write sins i will sometimes sing even when they didn't prompt me to <laughs> um so yes i love doing it
0: um yeah i, I just wrote on ian because it just says ian on the wall and it's yeah it's just something that's just fun especially knowing ian didn't write on the video <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> um. yeah it's fun to mess
0: with your coworkers. I've come to the recent conclusion: it's not the better movie, but Die Hard with the Vengeance is my favorite Die Hard movie.
1: Um, oh, wow.
0: it's I know it's a bold take, but it's it's the one that I want to pop in the most. It's the one I want to put in right now. Um, I see that's it, fair, it, especially if it's the alternate ending because it's much better um, and it doesn't have the stupid aspirin bottle thing in it. Oh no, it does. It just doesn't have the like very ending anyway. But this the aspirin bottle is stupid and it's dumb. <laughs> It's. I love how like it's the Die Hard with a Vengeance aspirin bottle is the like comparative. It's the it's the thing that started all the. This is so stupid. It's the most convenient thing. This is the Die Hard with a Vengeance aspirin bottle of pens, and you can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> Amazing. And then I'm pretty sure after the eighth or ninth step it's really hard to prove self-defense, Brianna. And yeah, it also just just reminded me of uh, two weeks ago talking with Chris and the final destination video where he kills the teacher gets killed with a knife and he pulls it out. And we're just like, you're really not making a case for your innocence here. So (laughs) Jeremy, I have a question for you. All right. Hit me. You've made it known you're a wine guy. I'm a wine guy. Would you buy Walgreens brand wine?
1: Hmm. Hmm. Well, I do love that somebody actually did research making this video <laughs> to find out that yes Walgreens <laughs> does have their own wine I, I love that Walgreens has their own wine that's beautiful that's, that's something perfect about that
0: um well and correct here's, me if I'm wrong you're you're like you're a wine guy but you're not a snob you're not like sideways or anything you're like no you're like barefoot no. is fine
1: in fact the wine I drink most often is black box wine which is cheap it's yeah. in terms of like cost but Their Cab Sab is really good, and their Pinot is really good. And I like that Mayomi stuff, Pinot, that comes like $20, $25 a bottle. I'm not Mm -hmm. a big wine snob in the sense that the most expensive wine I ever tasted, which I'm not saying I paid for this, but to taste, (laughs) was a $300 bottle of wine. And that's on the low end if you're a big wine snob. Oh, yeah. And it was delicious. It was incredible. But I don't have the palate to discern between a $40 bottle bottle of wine and a $300 bottle of wine. So I don't buy those kinds of wines. I buy generally cheaper stuff. And then if I'm if I'm eating out, I'll let the waiter tell me what he thinks. But here's the tricky answer to this question. Trader Joe's has some pretty good wine. Hmm. There are stores that you might not expect. Uh, and it, even the Black Box is another good one. They've won a bunch of blind taste tests awards across the globe and they're one of the cheaper ones you can find in stores. So mm-hmm. I would taste the Walgreens wine. And if it had good flavor, if it was a very good wine, I would, I would, yes, I would buy it. If it was not very good, I still might buy it on a night where all I really want to do is get drunk, yeah. which is not very often, but you know, wine generally, if you drink it properly, you know, you're like, experiencing it. <laughs> you're swishing it around, you're smelling the glass, you know, you're taking in the whole that the wine has to offer. But some people just want to get a little tipsy.
0: I right. mean, yeah, Walgreens wine has got to be inexpensive, I would think. So Oh yeah, I've got to imagine. You have you I really like the taste of flavor liquor. And you have your I'm trying to go for something liquor. There <laughs> you, you sure. go. I'll see you on the other side. Right. I have my Casa Amigos and I have my Jose Silver. You know? Um there you go. Uh, I just have one more note, but unless you have anything else. Uh,
1: Here, let me read a little bit. I did get uh, some feedback from Jonathan on behalf of both he and Daniel. So let me read what they wrote to me.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, While writing the script for Candyman, we had a few interesting discussions about this film. First up was the fact that the movie has an IMDb score of 5.9. Both of us felt that it seemed low for this movie. As we looked into it, there seemed to be a lot of people who were upset with the movie for commenting on social issues, which we both agreed was odd, considering the first movie in 92 was socially aware and had things to say in that area as well. We also spent a lot of time talking about the film's ending, which did a good job connecting all the themes and symbolism that were in play throughout the movie. But at the same time, there was confusion as to the logic of what was occurring on screen with the main character's final transformation. We rewatched the end many times and tried to connect the dots in terms of cause and effect. Uh, some of my Jonathan favorite bits were Daniel making me and probably many other people aware of the ghost realtor, and I feel I'm better that <laughs> knowledge. The best sin, technically it's a sin removal, is Daniel's sin about how exploitative and racist the gallery owner is toward Anthony. The sin mm. writing here is outstanding. I especially love this guy encapsulates the unassuming and yet exploitative perspective that puts it, that pats itself on the back for amplifying marginalized voices while simultaneously exploiting generations of suffering for its own financial gain. Fucking brilliant. It's always a great experience writing a script with Daniel. Well, those were, That was Jonathan's thoughts.
0: Yeah, there was that scene and there was the one where um, the main character, uh, Yaha Abdul-Mateen, he's, he's walking and he hears sirens and he freezes up, even though he's like not doing anything. But it's just like it, it's it's accentuating the circumstance. And, and there's a cinema for that, too. And it's, it's yeah. great, which ties into I, I, I perused the comment section a little bit uh, just to try to get some more behind the sin stuff. And uh, Jack's Prince Cottrell commented on YouTube. And he just said, I'm not going to lie. As a black fan of both this movie and Cinema Sins, I was so worried that a lot of the cultural implications and its real world inspirations would go overlooked or sinned. But this is really d- d- well done, and I love the attention you called to it. So nice, nice. It's um, good to I, hear. As as another white man, I have no say in any of this stuff. But it's good to know that the communities that this movie was really made for, like the Cinemasins video, gets the respect for it.
1: So. I agree. I agree. That's great.
0: Uh, so well done, team. To
1: Daniel and Jonathan.
0: Yeah. Okay, Friday's video, electric BMW. This commercial is stupid, right? I mean, like all commercials.
1: I mean, yeah. What's sad is that, as the Sins video points out, there's no connection. There's no, it doesn't even make sense. Like, Zeus is exasperated because the humans keep asking him to use his Zeus powers to charge up their electric things. But then an electric car shows up and suddenly he's in a really good mood. It doesn't, mm-hmm. I mean, you had Schwarzenegger and somebody said Roman gods or Greek gods, whatever the fuck, I don't care about mythology. Um, <laughs> and this is what you came up with, like at least, anyway, yeah, the, the video does a great job of pointing out, well, here's a car. So now this this must be a car commercial, even though nothing that precedes it. It's this is classic of Super Bowl commercials, though. You get a couple of high profile cameos and mm-hmm. throw common sense out the window and hope people are two or three Bud lights in when they see it.
0: Yeah. It's just infuriating. and It seems so stupid. And and like one of the sins I wrote down um, perfectly encapsulates this. None of these events here say you should buy a car. Um, <laughs> and it's like, it doesn't. And and why does Zeus care? Like, shouldn't Zeus be more upset about electric cars because that's more things that he has to use his powers on. If the commercial is to be believed. Yes.
1: Yes. It's like, so frustrating. If, if, Zeus,
0: if Zeus is annoyed that he has to like, you know, flip the breakers every now and then on, on real world events. Like how many times are people going to be driving around and be like, can you jumpstart my electric car? <laughs> like, it's so stupid. Yeah. Having not even seen the, tr- the commercial, but just, you know, you, the commercial scenes are nice because you see every second of the commercial because yes. it, there's like, it's a 15 second commercial or a 30 second, sometimes a minute max. And it's a several minute video. So it's like, you always see everything. It, it's just like, yeah, this is stupid even in real time. But yeah,
1: I did love Chris's line reading at the end when he's mad at Samuel Hyatt breaking the fourth wall for no reason. <laughs> and he goes, you owe me a wall.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, oh, that was really funny. But last last several months, he's been embracing, uh, getting more angry here and there and certain sins. And it's been, uh, there's one a few weeks ago about the, the talking thumb where there's like six... Sins that start with also, and <laughs> he starts the last one by screaming also sex. And then he just goes <laughs> into the sin. Uh, so I love Mad Chris; it makes me laugh.
0: Well, it was the he the same thing with the the, the commercial sin you most recently wrote on the the Velveeta cheese in the front yard thing, where it was yes. like six also Same thing. Just you could tell Chris it has a really good voice. Maybe it's just because I'm used to his voice in the rants, but he's he's my favorite person to hear angry. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's you don't great. want
1: him to be angry if you like him as a person, but when he's angry,
0: it's not all bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's at least entertaining. Yeah. Um, also, I can't really tell if Zeus is getting a boner for the car itself or the all electric part, but the fact that he has at once reacted this way to Selma Hayek is probably worth at least 50 sins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, hearing yeah. Chris in that voice is great. <laughs> yeah, he's doing great on those. That's mostly that's all they had. Am I missing anything?
1: Ah, uh, no, I didn't have much either. It was a pretty short video.
0: Uh that just takes us to Saturday's video. The tenth anniversary recent, We have Batman Begins coming up here. Mm. All right, so Chris talked a little bit about like the, the philosophy, like going back and how like we really never wanted to do resins, but ten but like this milestone kind of makes sense. Um, for us to go back and do some, especially some of the like very popular videos that we can now explain. So Chris did a really good job, kind of explaining uh, the philosophy and stuff like that. But surely there had to be a long conversation about which ten to actually do. Could you give us a little insight into the into the room there?
1: A little, I can tell you. It was it's mostly based on we tried to stay early videos from the time it was just Chris and I, and we were trying to pick some of our most watched videos. So Frozen was the first one we did. Frozen, the first sins video is the most watched sins video we've ever done. So it's both an early sins video, but I think that was like 2015, uh, and we started in 2012 at the end. So it's not yeah. from like the very first year, but I don't want to reveal too much secret sauce. I would just say that we're we're a lot more analytically driven than I think people would think. Sure. So there was a lot of discussion that went into what do we think they most want to see because that is what will get viewed the most uh and in most cases that's going to be some of our most watched most popular videos ever
0: so sure uh now i'm visualizing that scene in moneyball where brad pitt and jonah hill is like what does he do he gets on base he gets on on the wall like (laughs) (laughs) now i'm just imagining what do they do they get views boom put it up (laughs) i mean sometimes
1: it's that simple um so, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, if you if you want to dig into how we schedule our regular sins videos, you probably already figured out that we tend to, to tentpole with big new releases or big new home video releases. Uh, so there's a new Halloween movie halloween ends so we did halloween kills around the same time because our data shows that people are searching for all things related to that franchise right around the time of the new movie we get more views if we put it out then than we do at valentine's day it's not rocket science but i don't think a lot of people put that much thought into it or think that we do but
0: we do sure or you have a trending actor or something and right. sometimes it's just we want to have fun. Like, I didn't feel like any of the videos, I mean, especially the TV sins, obviously the House of the Dragons are going to, you know, be a bunch of clicks because uh, Game of Thrones was the same way and same with Rick and Morty. Um, and they're both current. So, like, those obviously make sense. And, yeah, with uh, with Candyman, again, it's it's in October. There's not a sequel coming out or anything, but, yeah, it tracks. Lo- I mean, I'm sure Lost City was just... Lost
1: City is the mathematical exception to the rule of the, this month's <laughs> schedule. Uh, yeah. I can't get into the too much of the... But we had to shuffle the schedule around uh, to accommodate one particular video. And so we ended up with Lost City in the middle of a bunch of horror films. But (laughs) you could argue. I could make an argument that that that's a horror movie. But uh, we don't have time for that today.
0: Sure. Uh, So Batman Begins, Chris and Jonathan writing on this script. Jeremy, I'm going to make a statement. I think Batman Begins is the best of the trilogy. I know that The Dark Knight is widely considered the best, probably superhero movie of all time, and they are both ten out of ten. They're both incredible, but there's there's something I really like about the way that Chris Nolan chooses to f- shoot the action in this scene, or in this movie, because Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises even more are just kind of like generic quick cut whatever. But this feels like the most horror that a Batman movie has ever been. Like the shipyard mm-hmm. scene is frightening. Um, mm. And and there's a purpose because Scarecrow is one of the main villains, and so especially that shot that just the the narrator just goes like, "Oh, this is awesome!" of the like the Batman flying over the city with the f- Scarecrow fear yeah. toxin. Like, <laughs> but like the shipyard scene where Batman's like, you know, he's 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 making distraction in one place. Like, it feels authentic. It feels very much like the Arkham games where you have to like jump around on gargoyles and and you know you can inverted takedowns. Like, it, it's it's. It's just shot so well, and one of the sins uh, pointed it out here. I think I wrote it down. Uh, oh yeah, the fight scene in every other one of this movie. It says Chris, is Christopher Nolan saying this bores me, and it should you too. And um, <laughs> that that that's why. I mean... th-
1: uh, it's not his thing. I mean, he's gotten, I think, better at shooting action. He has, yeah. Even as he's gotten more convoluted with his plots, I think the action in
0: Tenet is shot really well. Um, but he's doing something creative there, or even in Inception, he where he's got the rotating corridor. Like he's like regular action scenes should bore you. So let's put an action scene in a in an actual rotating corridor, or let's let's <clears> have <throat> a, a building implode like in reverse time. Like, yeah. Man, I
1: think my favorite shot in this movie isn't even, I mean, I guess it's action, but it's the shot of Batman running through Arkham, like slowly through the yellow halls. Um, It just Mm -hmm. feels like a comic book panel come to life. Uh, I'm not going to argue too much. I think Batman Begins has a solid case to be the best of the trilogy. The third one went off the rails because they couldn't do what their original plan was and they kind of had to scramble. The, The problem is that Heath Ledger's performance in the second is the best thing about the entire trilogy. The entire trilogy. Yeah, uh, And so Begins doesn't have that. Liam Neeson is obviously a great actor, but this is a pretty generic Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. Um, Scarecrow is a much more interesting villain, but again, he's a smaller villain in this story. Liam Neeson, well, there's like seven villains in this story if you want to get down <laughs> to it. If there somehow was an electric performance like Ledger's in Batman Begins, then I would give you this debate I would walk off the stage and let you have it because there are there are flaws in the Dark Knight that uh, logic flaws that aren't there and begins begins makes pretty good sense uh, and does that expert use of prestige style. Cutting in the first 30 minutes, where he's uh, grown up Bruce, no, he's kid Bruce, and now he's uh, training, and now he's at the court with the gun, and it jumps all over that until we get that singular focus of, I'm going to be Batman. And then it's linear from there on out. So I think there are a lot of really unique choices Nolan makes. I do think he obfuscates the action on purpose to make you feel like you are part of the horde getting beat by Batman. Mm-hmm. But I think that is done. I had to guess, it would be done to cover up what he knew was a weakness in his ability to shoot hand-to-hand combat. Sure. <clears throat> but that's that- what film is. Film is about adapting uh, to your strengths and weaknesses. And, and Scorsese wanted to shoot the front entrance of that club, but he wasn't allowed to. And we ended up with one of the best one-takes of all time in Goodfellas. So, yeah, I think we, he should get plenty of credit uh, for that intentional fight choreography there, for sure.
0: Sure, it just—it's just something that really makes the movie stand apart for me. But you're right; it's missing though. It's missing that one electric performance. Sure, I'll give you that. That's fair. Or maybe if maybe if Jonathan Crane was had as much screen time as Razagul Ghul. Also, they call him al Ghul, not his actual name, and that's infuriating. <laughs> but, um, whatever. Um, <laughs> I'll let you kick off. Uh, but aside from that.
1: All right, uh, well, let me first read some thoughts from Chris on this. I actually have my own notes on this video as well, um, but uh, Chris said, it's great getting back into this re-sinning because our earlier videos are so self-edited as to be as quick as possible, and we missed a lot back in the day. We also changed our philosophy over the years as to what we would go after, so directing our 10-year-old format's eyes to a movie we sinned back in 2012-2013 was incredibly fun. Because my thoughts often drift into the villain's plan, that was a fun part of dissecting this movie. Razal Gul keeps talking about the League of Shadows and how they've destroyed cities to great success in the past, but there seems to be no endgame to the whole thing, which means you have to figure out if the League of Shadows really does the world, does good in the world, or if they're just being led by a madman. And, something, and sometimes that's hard to sin, because why does the villain do this becomes a matter of whether he's sane or not. But most of my pondering on this movie landed on why the League of Shadows decided not to destroy Gotham 20 to 30 years ago, which Alfred explained in not great detail. The murder of Thomas Wayne got the rich people of Gotham to rally around to make the city better. But apparently it didn't last long enough. That's a story where the movie kind of skips over so that Roz has a reason to exist. Uh, last note from Chris, my favorite thing I wrote on this was after Rachel tells Bruce that his mask is his real face and his real face is the mask. <laughs> he wrote, well, your face is Maggie <laughs> Dillon Hall after this. Sweet so shit. <laughs> I
0: wrote that down too. It's so good. <laughs>
1: oh, that's really funny, Sid. Um, and I, I remember smiling when I narrated that. So yeah, I have my own notes too. I'll give you a couple of those and yeah. hear what you think. I love the one that made me laugh the most was the it's another one of those non sequiturs where it diverts halfway through the sin to something else you sometimes it's one of those squirrel kind of moments where the narrator sees something and so here you've got, you got me standing and we've seen the scene so much since it came out ooh 24-hour liquor uh, a 24hour <laughs> liquor store in the background <laughs> Just, I thought that was pretty funny um, one another reason these reasons are fun for me is that most of these are ones that Chris and I wrote by ourselves and now we have um, five other writers to bring new perspectives, new kinds of jokes, uh, new wordplay. So Jonathan's insight in this one was pretty funny. This movie has made 47-year-old Gary Oldman and 72-year-old Michael Caine lift and carry Rachel to all sorts of places. That was a nice observation, because you're watching that movie, you don't think about it. But yeah, I mean, Rachel's not not big. (laughs) I'm not trying to say she's big, but 72-year-old Michael Caine carrying her all the way out to the car. It seems a little bit of a stretch. Uh, what, What ones did you have noted?
0: I, I really like the self-referential. Uh, we haven't grown up enough in 10 years to not point out the nipple bed is... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you were just big. saying how we've created, how we've grown and evolved, and I'm like, yeah, but not that much. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not too much. Not too much, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's going to slay me every time, but there's one where he screams Rachel, and so then you like, Martha! Like... <laughs> <laughs>
1: See, this is a joke we couldn't make the first time around because Uh Batman v Superman hadn't happened. So we had to wait for other entertainment media to give us the fodder to make that joke really sing. That's another reason going back really helps.
0: For sure. And then there's there's a line early on where Alfred says something like, you know, people are going to notice when Bruce Wayne isn't around essentially just completely disregarding the end of Dark Knight Rises when he's just, so he says, I'm going to the narrator says, I'm going to remember this when he fakes his own death and sitting at a cafe and no one recognizes him except Alfred. <laughs> it's one of those, you're not really sitting Batman begins. You're sitting the Dark Knight Rises <laughs> in yes. Batman. Begins. Yes, but uh, it's our, it's our prerogative to do so. Uh, yes. Yes. And any chance to send the Dark Knight Rises is fine with me. Um, especially the last like 45 minutes of it. Um, yeah having your murder and eating it too which is man it's so it's it's maybe the one part of this movie that doesn't quite track me with, with with me where he's like I don't have to I'm not going to kill you but that doesn't mean I'm, I have to save you I'm like no it does like <laughs> 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 but also like because it says Batman begins on here like all right I'm willing to and and then in in when the movie came out it's also like this is also Ra's al Ghul. he's got the Lazarus pit so like he may be killing him but He's killing somebody that is immortal. Like, yeah. if you revive yourself, I think it takes away the murder charges. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then just the outtake of uh, of of Bale's rant on the Terminator Salvation set. Oh man, that's was, good um, stuff. That's good, good stuff.
1: <laughs> I also like the Falcone he has everybody in his pocket for the most part, so nothing matters. But it's extremely odd that he complete insanity when the charges <laughs> he was in the area where a drug shipment <laughs> was getting prepared. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> insanity plea works because Scarecrow's gonna gas him, but it doesn't work for the actual crime. But I'll, I'll well, it. but
0: but in a city that do- clearly doesn't have. Sale of liquor laws, you know, why would they have laws of what you can plead insanity to? So there you go. There you go. <laughs> and I think, like I said, I think the fans are really liking it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The feedback has been good. It's, uh, I'm grateful.
0: Yeah. And it, it doesn't, you know, it's not a gimmick. It's not in anything. It's a, we're doing this for, we're not, you're not doing it every Saturday. It's every Saturday for 10 weeks to celebrate right. 10 years. So, and it is yeah.
1: truly the single biggest request we get is to do this. Go back to our older videos with our current approach.
0: So sure. And I understand why but I also understand why you don't want to do that. And so, you know, I see both sides and I respect both sides. That's all I have. Do you have anything else?
1: uh, No, I have given you all of my Batman Begins recent notes.
0: Perfect. Well, that'll then just take us to Behind the Sinner. So tell me about yourself. We are all sinners, every one of us. And what happens to sinners? Get to know each other better, you know? See, Daddy, (gasps) sinners have soul, too. The information, it's too much.
1: Walk away, Marge, just walk away.
0: Uh, This is our new segment that we're doing with every writer. Going through, I have this labeled as round one, meaning this will be the last time I ask these questions. I haven't prepared ones for next week, but... I um, <laughs> I would certainly do so before next episode. So the round ones, I've got to ask you uh, the two questions that I asked everybody, as well as the one that I asked Chris uh, in the middle here. So yep. first thing I want to ask is if you had to describe CinemaSins to somebody who had never heard of the channel, how would you do it in a sentence or two?
1: Oh, man, I wonder if Chris stole my answer. Uh, I'll give you two. If the comic book store owner on The Simpsons had his own YouTube channel nitpicking <laughs> movies. Yeah. And then another one which is similar in tone. That one friend in your group that always thinks they know more about, every, about movies than everyone else. Mm. Yeah, that friend is now on YouTube.
0: So, uh, so Jamie Kennedy's character in Scream 2 now has a YouTube channel. Yeah,
1: I think that's yeah. a pretty accurate comparison too. Yeah, for sure.
0: Nice. I think Jonathan and I on the first week talked about the comic book man comparison.
1: Yeah, but yeah. It's definitely come up. That was the actual pitch to Chris in an email was what if we made a channel like the Simpsons comic book guy but he has really strong opinions about movies, but he reads them like the Micro Machines commercial guy from when we were kids, because that guy talked really fast and talked like this when we Micro <laughs> Machines. That was literally the pitch before we started making any videos, so.
0: There you go. Great Behind the scenes content there. Okay, so the one that I only asked Chris uh, as well, uh, as the co-founder, uh, CinemaSins is about to turn 10. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. You've done it. What are some things that you've been thinking about as you approach this milestone?
1: How oh, the hell did this happen? And how do we keep it going? Because I make jokes a lot whenever we have to do really business stuff, like contracts or written agreements or staff meetings. Um, I often joke about, I just want to make jokes about movies on YouTube. I'm not trying to run a business because I wasn't when we started, but now we are. We have uh, seven full-time employees who rely on the income from this silly nitpicking channel to keep a roof over their heads and food on the table and make their car payments. And I think about that a lot. Because, you know, I it's, theoretically could wake up tomorrow and some change to law or YouTube's algorithm could take half of our videos down or something. I, I mean, I live in fear of this going away, because it doesn't just go away for me, it goes away for all these other people who've become dear friends and part of my family so you know I don't know how we got here but I spend most of my time this year as we get to 10 years thinking about how we can do another 10 I do as a a joke I often wonder if this is my strongest proof that I'm living in a simulation the (laughs) fact that CinemaSins is where it is and that I'm part of that it just it, it feels so absurd to me that I'm occasionally willing to entertain the idea that it's not reality. That's how absurd it feels to me. Um, so I'm just grateful, I'm grateful to people who viewed, people who listen to podcasts, people who wanted to come work with us and make jokes with us. And I hope it keeps going as long as it can and we enjoy
0: doing it as long as we are doing it. Good, uh, as long as there's videos, we'll be watching. Thank you. And it's crazy and yeah, in your 10 years ago, what started as an email, of what if comic book guy liked movies and talked <laughs> and, t- and talked really fast is now yeah, it's, it's seven full-time staff members and um, and, and a creative team at made in. yeah yeah, uh, however many patrons and uh, yeah. dis- discord channels and uh, one podcast that kind of had has two iterations of it this podcast and now captain's pod 2. Um, mm-hmm. Well, um, 10 years history, uh, not quite 10 years, but you know 10 years. What are a couple of your favorite sins that you have ever written or had to read because somebody else wrote or what's the ones that kind of set the bar for how much you liked?
1: I don't remember which video it was in, but the first time we referenced the Prometheus school of running away from things, (laughs) because when I first saw Prometheus, that was all I could think about is why don't they turn and run perpendicular mm-hmm. it drives me batty and that is the reason I am calling it one of my favorite sins is I do think it's very funny uh, but that's probably the piece of our content that has broken free from our fan base and I've seen it in the wild mm-hmm. from people who aren't necessarily quoting us or fans it's become part of the vernacular for a certain section of movie fans and that mm-hmm is an amazing feeling. That feels amazing. Even though obviously we didn't set out to do that. I still think my very favorite sin ever, and again, you have to remember, we're coming up on a thousand videos, not all sins videos, but most of them. So I just just don't remember what my favorite sin probably is, but the one Chris wrote for one of the Resident Evil movies where Mila Jovovich comes riding breaking through the stained glass into a church on a motorcycle. And the sin he wrote was about it being a literal deus on a machina, because uh, she's a, <laughs> she's their God right now, on a machine, <laughs> in the house of God. Uh, I forget the exact wording, but uh, it was one of those times where I realized, wow, we can do more than just this kind of joke or that kind of joke. Like We can take a joke we've been doing, like an ex machina joke, and twist it and mold it. Uh, And so that was kind of a a light bulb moment for me.
0: Hmm. Okay. So then uh, moving into the other part of this segment, uh, something of non-related to the like general pop culture world that you, these questions are particularly tailored to you. Uh, Jeremy, you talk a lot about cooking on Twitter and Mm. I thought, let's talk about cooking for a hot second. Mm -hmm. What sort of inspired, when did you realize you like being in the kitchen?
1: I honestly would say Maybe six or seven years ago. I'm relatively new to it. I didn't really get into it until uh, I became a HelloFresh customer, um, mm-hmm. which at the start was because we were we were doing an ad for them on the Syncast way back in the day. And my wife and I liked it so much, we ran with it for a good long time. And it really opened me up to ingredients and techniques that I just. If my wife and I cooked at home, we put some chicken breasts on a George Foreman grill and we took some frozen corn in the microwave, that was a meal. But they're sending me hoisin sauce and jicama and ginger that I have to... And it just really... I, I've always loved Top Chef. I've never considered doing that until mm. HelloFresh held my hand. This, I swear to God, this is not an ad for HelloFresh. i <laughs> are not getting paid for this right now. This is just the truth. Uh, they held my hand through realizing that I could do some of this stuff Now I have a pretty strong handle on what I can do and then areas that I'm close enough to start
0: pushing myself and experimenting. But it really all started with that. Uh, For me, uh, I worked at a kitchen in a Buffalo Wild Wings uh, when I was in college. It's just one of those things where, like, you you make a bunch of these things from scratch because Buffalo Wild Wings sells more than just wings. And sure, we sell mostly wings, and somebody puts them in a deep fryer and then a bucket and spins them in sauce, and then that's it. But, like, I worked on the other stations because I was good at everything else. I would like make wraps and burgers and flatbreads and stuff like that. And I was just like, when you work there for so long, you have to get creative with the menu with any restaurant. You have to get creative with the menu. Otherwise you're going to be sick and tired of eating the same thing over and over again. And so I would just be like, Hmm, well, what if I did this instead of that? Or like, what if I did this and then that, and then this instead? And, uh, so, like, I think the the best thing I ever made was they used to have, like, actual pretzels. Now they just have pretzel knots. Mm-hmm. But I would, like, take a pretzel, cover it in butter, put some salt, and cook that. And then cut it in half. And then they had pulled pork sandwiches. Nice. And, like, put some pulled pork on it. Put some pepper jack cheese on it. Put some coleslaw on it. It's, like, some honey barbecue sauce, like a Chipotle seasoning. Oh, it's so good. That sounds um, pretty awesome. It was – it came across awesome. in my, like – you know, the Facebook memories recently. And I don't ever use Facebook anymore, but it was like, it came across the top and I was like, Oh, oh I want that so bad right now. <laughs> and, then, and then it was just kind of like, so I knew how to make that kind of stuff. And, uh, and then it was honestly, you guys having Babish on the syncast. Oh yeah. And then got me to his videos and he makes significantly more complicated stuff than the Buffalo Wild Wings menu. And uh, <laughs> one and of my favorite like, things
1: about him though, is he, he was not a trained person chef he just he set out to learn how to do this stuff and became a guy who can teach you how to do this stuff a lot of my recipes a lot start by watching a babish video and Mm -hmm. then extrapolating what do i what personality of mine do i want to add into this dish um i love that guy
0: yeah well and he's really good about just like here's the basic and here's how i'm going to teach you how to do this and uh and he's like and you can do this or you can do that or you can do that or whatever and it's just like all right cool that really i think brought out my love and I think I think that was right about the time I, I lived on my own like started living on my own for the very first time in an apartment so like so what are some of your favorite dishes to make
1: oh uh, I've got a pot roast in right now that I have been smelling this entire show and <laughs> that's the only bad thing about making a pot roast um I would say the thing I cook the most is either a casserole or grilled cheese I am highly experimental with both of those I'm not a snob about grilled cheese being called grilled cheese if it has other stuff on it. So different types of cheeses, tomatoes, avocados, um, different meats. I did. I made one recently with the uh, leftover pulled pork that I threw in the pan, uh, in, the, in the frying pan a little bit before I put it on the sandwich. But a, a good casserole. The, my, the thing I have probably made the most my entire life is uh, something my mom used to make called turkey broccoli casserole. It's just turkey, broccoli, some canned soups, and then stovetop on the top, and then you bake it. It's just home for me i love casserole Mm -hmm. i can't get enough of
0: it yeah i think the go-to dish when we uh like don't really know what we're doing is we make ramdan from Paris. oh yeah i love that stuff man we make that and then i i like my wife doesn't like the heat as much so we only put in half a pack of negroni seasoning neoguri seasoning negroni seasoning the growing season. Sorry. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so we only put in half a pack. So it's not quite as spicy, but then like, I'll add seasonings to my stuff later. And, and then I remember I reached out to you on Twitter. And I was like, hey, I'm making this because I saw you've been making it. I was like, what do you recommend doing? And you're like, a soft boiled egg. I'm like, oh, oh, it's the perfect touch. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's so good. Um, yeah.
1: I like chopping up some scallions and throwing that on top. Uh, I like mixing up the meats too. I've made it with pork. I've made it with shrimp. Yeah, uh, ramdon is good and easy. That's good eats.
0: Yeah, and it's like you you boil ramen and you cook steak for a little bit. Like it's <laughs> it's super. Like you can have it from start to finish. I mean, and that's the show it in the movie. You have start to finish as long as you have your meat thawed in fifteen minutes. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. So, yeah,
1: it's fast. Um,
0: uh, I I make that one a lot. I have a go to recipe. I make these um, Philly cheese steak stuffed peppers. Mm-hmm. Um, so you like have a bell pepper and then you throw them in the oven and then. um after like 30 minutes you take them out and you stick a piece of provolone in it uh but while they're in the oven you like do some some steak bits with some onions and mushrooms and some italian seasoning and then you throw that in the bell pepper and then you put another piece of provolone on top and you broil all that and it's just like that sounds awesome it's it's a philly cheesesteak without the bun that sounds awesome might have to make that i think the recipe was like delish i think like one of those like big ones it's awesome it's so good (laughs) and the other one i really like making it's just i have to have the time is i love babish's gnocchi recipe oh Uh, it is not a beginner level dish no but if you can get it right it's delicious this and the sauces are really easy his gorgonzola um dolce sauce is i followed the recipe from his cookbook it's so good I have that cookbook. I'm gonna to have to look for that up. I I love gnocchi,
1: but I have not been brave enough to try making it myself.
0: What I found is I don't think that there's enough flour in his recipe because otherwise it's just sticky and it needs to hmm. not be. So I would throw in I would I throw in as needed. You know, keep rolling it and all that. But all right. I've tried that one and I came across somebody I follow on TikTok made gnocchi with sweet potatoes instead of regular potatoes, and I'm dying to try it.
1: We went out for a 10th anniversary celebration meal. a week or two ago with all the CinemaSense crew. And one of the dishes had a corn, like a masa-based gnocchi. Um, And it was incredible. It was really good.
0: Mm. So what's your go-to like recipe enhancer? You're in the kitchen, you're like, it's missing something. What's that thing you're going to go to?
1: It's either going to be shallots or fresh herbs. I think shallots are magic ingredient that give you uh, garlic and onion qualities, but also more. And I would say I have nine or 10 recipes that start with olive oil and shallots in a frying pan. <laughs> uh, that pulled pork that I put on a grilled cheese sandwich went into a pan that had olive oil and shallots in it for a couple of minutes mm-hmm. first because it just blossoms everything with flavor. And then fresh herbs. I just think we all take for granted how much how much flavor and aroma are added by fresh herbs as opposed to dried herbs. And sure. uh, most importantly with scrambled eggs. If we make eggs at home, my wife, first of all, my wife makes the eggs. I don't touch them. She's perfect at it. But I always chop up two or three different herbs, some dill, some parsley or something and throw that on the top and it just makes it a 10. Fresh herbs, I, shallots, those are my go-tos.
0: I don't like onions very much, but I really like shallots. Um, oh. There's something special about them.
1: If you don't like onions, then maybe dip your toe in the shallot water before you go full bore. But to me, yeah. they, they accomplish what I used to get from throwing some garlic and some onions in the pan. I still sometimes throw all three in a pan together because they, yeah. they are a happy family together. But,
0: um. Yeah, no shallots are a nice flavor combi- combiner. And um, for eggs, I recently tried, um, I saw a video on how Gordon Ramsay makes his eggs. Mm-hmm. And like, I tried that and it's like, it's in a pot and it's like, essentially keep, keep whisking. Don't ever stop. Uh, and then you add some like half and half. And so it's like, they're the fluffiest, creamiest yeah. I've ever had. It's so good. Yeah. Uh my go to recipes and enhancers I think are I really like cumin as a spice.
1: Yeah, that's good stuff.
0: Um, I think it makes a lot of things better. And as, as far as fresh herbs, um I think that fresh thyme can really make anything better. Yeah. I love herbs. Um, I think those are my two go-tos. I mean of course, besides just kosher salt or even like pink cuddling, like, like salt and pepper go a long yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> um, my mom was born and raised in Virginia. I'm also an Indiana boy, but um, oh. So the way we cook is everything has too much butter and too much salt in it. Probably too much garlic as well. My, like the garlic bread when the way I like it, my wife can't stand. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. And then what's uh, so you already mentioned gnocchi, but is there another dish that you're just intimidated to make?
1: I have never made chili, and I know it's not complicated, but because I've made some stuff that was complicated and good, and I know that really good chili can have like 20 ingredients i haven't taken that step yet and then i've cooked uh scallops before but i don't know that i will again because the the window for an accurately cooked scallop is approximately nine seconds and i missed it (laughs) uh on both sides every time i tried it's just such a short window and they're not edible if you under or overcook Mm -hmm. A scallop, so mm-hmm. I just stay away for now. Uh, maybe in the future I'll find a technique, but I'm also not it, crazy about eating scallops. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kind of cheat on this one because it's a dish that I actually have tried to make one one day before. I'm going to say gumbo. Ooh! So the reason is I did try making gumbo one day, but the problem is if you want to actually, first of all, I've never I've been to New Orleans once when I was like four. Um, Mm. I don't live anywhere near New Orleans. Um, Mm. Didn't grow up anywhere there. So it's like, I feel like it's one of those, like you have to get gumbo in New Orleans. Like I live in Iowa right now. I'm not buying gumbo in Iowa. Um, (laughs) None of that makes any sense. But I did try making my own. And uh, in order to create the roux, it takes so long. Yep, It's a very patient dish. And I tried making it and I tried expediting it a little bit. And I'm sure that killed some of the flavor. But by the time I finished this... um, this recipe that I was making based off of Babish's recipe. And I think I looked up a couple other ones just to kind of see. It wound up just tasting like reheated leftovers, kind of almost like beans and hot dogs. Oh, Um, okay. (laughs) And I was like, this isn't really good. Like I thought gumbo was supposed to be spicier. I thought gumbo was supposed to be more like attacks the flavor palette. And I'm sure it is supposed to be. And then I just, I tweeted about it. I'm like, I've never actually had gumbo, but I just tried making it. And I don't know, I don't know anything about how this is actually supposed to compare. So my, so I guess my answer is I'm intimidated to try making gumbo again until I have authentic in New Orleans.
1: Yeah, no, I totally get it.
0: That's me and scallops, baby. Uh, I'm not ready. Not ready to go back in that pool. That was fun. I like that. Yeah. So one last thing here before we wrap up, then Uh, we got to move on to beyond the sins to infinity. And beyond. Somewhere beyond my wildest history To boldly go where no man has gone before. Jeremy, I already told you we're going to do a little bit of Guess the Goofs uh, later. So I don't know if you have that prepared to me. But I just want to know what is something that you want to quickly recommend, Warn or wreck Warren.
1: I do not have any goofs prepared for you. Uh, but I will be recommending in more depth on Recotopia uh, in the future. Uh, a Hulu movie called Rosalind, starring Caitlin Deaver as mm. uh, Juliet's cousin in Romeo and Juliet. And they speak in very modern speech, uh, but it's period set and Caitlin Deaver is hilarious. Um, so that's my small
0: recommend there. Nice. I, uh, I've i heard good things about this one. My wife really wants to watch it. And I was like, that's an interesting concept. I'd watch that. I don't care about another Romeo and Juliet, but I'll watch another like spin on Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. for yeah. sure. It's fun. Okay. So we'll play a little round of Guess the Goofs. I have four goofs here to help guide you towards the answer. The, que- okay. the I will give you a prompt. It is it is not in the modern era of filmmaking. Okay. To give you like a kind of time window.
1: And it instantly cuts my legs out from under me. <laughs> if
0: I'm the expert at modern, <laughs> I guarantee I know you've seen this movie. Okay. Um, All right. But uh, yeah, it is not in any sense of the way a modern film. Okay. So, so if you're unfamiliar with the rules, I have four goofs here pulled from the IMDb page, modified to not, you know, give away characters' names or very obvious plot points or anything like that. But to get Jeremy to try to guess uh, the film, uh, normally that would be a point-based system, but because it's just for fun, it's just if you want the next goof, you get it, um, and it's just props, you know, right. however soon you can get it. Uh, first goof I have here is a policeman has his rank fluctuate between lieutenant and captain.
1: Okay. I'll have another clue.
0: The opening narration on screen tells viewers that the action begins at 3 p.m. However, the first greeting is good morning, children.
1: I got an idea, but I don't have enough to throw a guess out yet. Give me me another clue.
0: The hymnal that they use to hold services is Hymns for Creative Living, published in 1935 by the Judson Press. The hymn that they sing, There is a Happy Place, is not in that hymnal.
1: Arsenic and Old Lace. That's what I thought. There we go. Yeah, what a great film.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was like, it can't be super obvious, but also the Goose Page was pretty thin on it. Uh, yeah,
1: I would imagine, yeah. that's hard to find too much wrong with
0: that movie. <laughs> the last one would have been when a character is playing the harpsichord near the beginning of the film. Music on the stand is a duet uh, for an instrumentalist with a keyboard accompaniment. Hence the three music stops. But um, when we hear Wolfgang, Amadeus, Mozart, Piano Forte, Sonata, and A minor movement. Oh, yeah. So, Teddy plays a harpsichord in the beginning. But it was like that second one was like the opening narration title card reads that the action begins at 3 p.m. But when the two leads and calls them by name.
1: Oh, wow. Like,
0: (laughs) like, go, go to get their marriage certificate. They say, good morning, children. It's like, uh, that's. Yeah. Uh, I bring up Arsenic in the Lace because I watched it for the first time last year. And I think it's a delightful film. And given that it is still currently Halloween season, there's no better time to watch it. And for the first time ever, it's now available on Blu-ray uh, because Criterion released it. So and during the flash sale recently, I picked it up. I haven't checked it out yet. I'm dying to. Um, so for the first time ever, you can get an HD quality copy of this film that um, I watched it recently in May. It, I was having a really bad day and I wanted to pick me up. And for some reason this was the movie I went for a pick me up because it's it's a very dark subject matter film. I was like this doesn't it doesn't really seem like the pick me up but I'm going for it and it just immediately cheered me up. Yeah. I had a much better day. Yeah, it's so, so fun. Well, that'll do it. Uh thanks Jeremy uh, for hanging out. Really appreciate your time. Uh, do you want to promote any social media work uh, or anything, places for people to connect to you? I suppose
1: I should tell you that I have a new book, November 8th. It's the last in my disabled superhero book series called The Ables. And you can find me on Twitter at jscotttn or at CinemaSins, uh, as I still run that Twitter account as
0: well. Cool. I was going to ask about the book because I, th- I thought I saw like first impression copies going out on, on Twitter recently?
1: Um, somebody got one who didn't even order it. He <laughs> read it and loved it. But uh, I have no idea how he got it. Uh, but it is not shipping yet. No, it will be on November 8th. Fingers crossed it's not later than that.
0: There we go. Uh, November 8th, Jeremy's final book of the Abels franchise. Mm-hmm. You said Orbits?
1: Um, yes, it's called Orbits. Thank you. Sure.
0: Sure. Uh, and then um, you can also follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd, at Castle. I'd love to hear your feedback on how the show is going. I was talking with Jeremy, got some really good feedback on the Cinema Sins Patreon that I noticed uh, this week. Um, so thank you for the people that have given feedback to the show, the people that have DM'd sins that they want answers to, uh, the people that have reached out in any sort of capacity. Appreciate all your thoughts. Um, you can feel free to continue sending them uh, to the BTS at Cinemasins.com or the Cinema Sins BTS Twitter and I'll make sure that uh, that we get that on the show. And lastly, don't forget to uh, like and subscribe wherever you're listening from and come on back next Thursday for more Behind the scenes content. Thanks for
1: listening. Send any feedback to bts at cinemasins.com and be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment. Find more ways to connect by visiting cinemasins.com slash bts. You? person who should be grateful that the deus ex machina literally came into god's house on a machine angrily demands answers yeah this is my very first bts uh experience so i'm probably going to screw it up a, a dozen different ways but hopefully <laughs> i'm somewhat prepared
0: i was talking with dicer just kind of recapping hey how have things been going some tips and suggestions and stuff like that And he was like you sounded a little starstruck tr- Starstruck talking to Chris but it was Kind of cute I was like well same, <laughs> same thing will happen next week with Jeremy So <laughs> With the Brad Pitt stuff just if you if there's ever A character in a movie uh, and They're eating you can eliminate 99% of the options by asking is uh You know or it, it, I'll start that over <laughs> I can cut that if you want me to Oh not at all that's a good okay. taste <clears throat> i just. I've been putting them in the outtakes as the first outtake, like the actual sin. That's fine. I'll find it. Um, I'll help. I'll. Do some,
1: I'll do some googling later this evening.
0: Okay. I appreciate it. Or I've got. I've got Tuesday off. <laughs> These are questions that are particular particularly tailored to you.
1: They are a happy family together. <laughs>